Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica, from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome. And I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach and I'm a bold stand for confidence. And I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. Hello, my love. Welcome to the Confidence Feels Like Shit audiobook sneak peek series. So in the next coming episodes, I'm going to be sharing with you snippets of my audiobook. If you love this podcast, which you listen to, you are going to love the audiobook. It is six hours of me (laughs) going off script, swearing, saying all the things in order for you to rebuild your self-confidence, own who you are, claim your throne like the queen that you is all the things. So I hope you enjoy this. It is Confidence Feels Like Shit audiobook. Chapter two, I shouldn't be here right now. Before we go any further, I need you to know why I'm so obsessed with doing this work around transformation. The woman I was a decade ago is truly unrecognizable compared to the Erica of today. And I want to tell you a little bit about my story because I want you to know that I get it. I get what it's like to doubt yourself and feel like you're not good enough. I get what it's like to feel like no matter what you do, you'll never be enough. I get what it's like to experience loss and feel completely alone. I get what it's like to suffer with shame, guilt, abandonment, loneliness, anxiety, and fear. I get it. When women see me on social media or come to one of my live events, they usually think, oh, it's easy for you, Erica, the queen of confidence. It must be so nice to be so positive and confident all the time. But that's actually not the case. It wasn't and still isn't easy for me. It has actually been the hardest thing I've ever had to work on. I had to become greater than my environment. And I had to transform every adversity I was faced with. I had to learn how to shift my perspective on the shitty cards that life had dealt me. I had to change my perspective on how I saw my life and what I chose to focus on. This is a choice we all have. And the reason why I need to share my story with you is because if I'm honest, I really shouldn't be where I am right now. I technically shouldn't be living the incredible and amazing life that I'm currently living. I actually thought I'd end up pregnant multiple times to multiple men, addicted to drugs and or homeless. But that wasn't my reality. I didn't allow my fucked up past to create a shitty future. My past doesn't get to define who I become. And that's why I want to tell you about it. I want you to know that your past, your pain, your hardships and traumas do not have to define you. Instead, You could stand in your story and find the gifts in your hardship, the lessons in your suffering, and draw on your inner strength in order to create the life that you want to experience. What I'm about to share is really important, not just because I want you to know my story, but because I need you to understand that when I tell you to reclaim your confidence and to stop letting your past determine your future or to take responsibility for healing your shit, All of this comes from my own experience in doing so. 
I walk the talk, sister. So as cute and pink as this book is, and as nice as it may sound to call myself the queen of confidence, don't get it twisted. There were a lot of dark times where I didn't know how the hell I would get myself out. I can't tell you every crazy story that I've been through in this book. Don't worry, there's another book coming for that. But I can share with you how my story began and some of the milestones along the way that helped shape the person I am today. I hope that you see yourself in my story. Maybe the pain, suffering, or hardship resonates. And I hope that the lessons I got come through for you as well. I was born and raised in a little city located 20 minutes outside of Boston, Massachusetts. My mom became a single mother when my dad left us when I was two years old. Having been diagnosed bipolar, my mother suffered with manic episodes where she would stop her medication and get really, really sick. During her manic periods, she would become physically and verbally abusive. Throughout my childhood and teen years, my mom was in and out of mental hospitals, and I was in and out of the foster care system, living with different foster families. She would stop her medication, and after three days, she'd become manic and really paranoid. Out of nowhere, she would start hitting me nonstop until the neighbors would call the police. I remember one time, before I'd even started school, we both ended up arrested with handcuffs on our wrists and ankles. As we were thrown into the back of a police car together, I was yelling and swearing at the cops. Y'all, I was one very hot-headed, take-no-shit kind of five-year-old. I would get placed into a foster home, and my mom would get put in a mental hospital. Mom would get sick like this at least twice a year. And just in case you're wondering, my mother and I have an incredible relationship now. She's actually my hero. I mean, to raise a child on your own, living on food stamps, while battling with a mental illness? I can't even imagine. She suffered so much, yet she never gave up on me, and she never stopped fighting to get me back. Being in the foster care system was tough. As you may know, these systems in most countries need work. Although I loved living with other kids and changing schools and being in large groups, this is where my sexual abuse began. This is where I lost a lot of my innocence. This back-and-forth, unstable upbringing led me to growing up as a kid who had massive anger issues. I was constantly defending my mother and her behavior on the playground during recess. I got into a lot of fights. I doubted myself a lot. My grades always suffered. I didn't believe that I was good enough or smart enough. I felt like other people just didn't like me. I ended up having major abandonment issues and would get into trouble at school daily. When I was seven years old, I was kidnapped by my dad when my mom and I went on a family vacation to Puerto Rico. And that's a whole nother story. That's definitely another book. When I was finally reunited with my mother the following year, we jumped back into the same cycle of mom getting sick, me visiting her in mental hospitals, and living in yet another foster home. Moving into high school, I struggled the most. I would skip school and not show up to class. And I ended up fist fighting with anyone I could pick a fight with in the hallways. I had a permanent seat in the detention center of every school I transferred to. I became hard, harsh, and cold. I would tell people, I'm good. It's all good. I'm fine. I don't need to get all emotional, soft, and sensitive and talk about my feelings. I tried to protect myself with anger and violence and being the tough girl. But the reality was, I was sad, lonely, and I felt like I wasn't good enough, smart enough, or worthy of anyone's love. That obviously didn't serve me moving into adolescence. And at 17, I ended up joining the army due to my grades being horrendous and my mom being poor. 
I mean, there was no way I would get an education or go to college and make something of myself without the army. Or so I thought at the time. The army had offered to pay four years of any state college or university to anyone who signed up in high school. Funnily enough, I never went to college. They ended up paying for my hair school tuition. My senior year in high school, I was off to boot camp. I ended up being in the U.S. Army for 10 years, eight years active duty, my last two years inactive. And I moved across the country, marrying my high school sweetheart, Gio, in secret as he went to fight the war in Iraq, as he too had joined the military in high school. The year he got back from war, I decided I would put my dreams and desires on hold so we could chase his goals. After all, he went from high school to the Marine Corps and hadn't really done anything else in his life. I felt so guilty that he had missed so much of his life being deployed in the Marines, and I felt like it was his time to shine. So I suggested we move from California to Florida so he could study and live his dream of being a music producer and DJ. I was 21 years old when we moved to Florida, and this is where my first major holy fuck moment begins, going 152 miles per hour. When I was 23 years old, I woke up in the emergency room of the Orlando Regional Medical Center to cold scissors sliding against my thighs. There were a group of medical professionals hovering around me, and someone was cutting my jeans off my legs. That really woke me up. I mean, those were my $80 Express jeans. At the time, they were my most expensive piece of clothing, and it had been a massive splurge. Why was someone cutting them to shreds? In the background, I could hear my husband, Giovanni, screaming and yelling. The lights got brighter, and my awareness became stronger. He was arguing with the hospital staff, but I didn't know why. It seemed as if they were holding him down. Immediately, I began apologizing. I'm so sorry. He's not usually like this. Please. Uh, I'm so sorry. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge how messed up my mind was back then? That even when I was lying in the hospital bed, confused, disorientated, bloodied, broken and bruised, with no idea what was wrong with me, I still cared more about Gio and I upsetting the nice hospital staff than I cared about what I was doing in the hospital in the first place. It turns out I should have been more worried about my body and why there were so many nurses around me because my situation ended up being pretty serious. I had fractured my back and crushed my left ankle. I had barely made it out alive from what was the most horrific drinking and driving car accident I had ever known of. A few seconds passed, and I blacked out again. Gio went into a coma for 12 hours after that, as he had severe head trauma. And I woke up in a dark hospital room that morning, in a haze, still unaware of what was going on but slowly realizing that my movements were restricted and I was in a very, very bad way. Some nurses came in, moving their lips, but I couldn't make any sense of what they were trying to say. They handed me a pen and a clipboard, and one of them assisted me in what was an appalling attempt at signing my name. Okay, if you want to hear more, head to thequeenofconfidence.com. Click on order my book. You can download the audiobook version right now. It also comes with an accompanying PDF. So you've got literally the notes that are inside of the book in this free PDF. You've got the practice of confidence. You can write, you can print it, you can get to working on creating your confidence now. 
It is also available on Audible if you use Audible, or you can head to the website, queenofconfidence.com, click on order book, and you can listen to the audiobook. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your ears, your time, your energy, and your attention. Please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it, and if you feel called to, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast. I'd love to know how this information is helping you change your world. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are many podcasts you could listen to, and I really appreciate you listening to mine. Have a gorgeous week, honey.